there's a lot of talk about how the Pittsburgh Steelers tight ends are going to play a big part of this offense, but how big of a part of this offense and how much can they be a focal point when we're all talking about Najee Harris and all the receivers that they have on this team. I'm Chris Carter, the Lockdown Steelers podcast, joined by Tony Serino of AFC North Talk. We'll break that down and more right on your Pittsburgh Steelers right here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. If you're watching this video on YouTube, hit the like button on this video. If you enjoy it, hit the subscribe button to our YouTube channel to get all of our daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus episodes. We have breaking news content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day. Joining me, he's back. It's wait, 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 wait. It's not just any Tuesday. It's mm-hmm. time for a Tony Tuesday. We What's did up, it. We're back. We're back. <laughs> How you doing? Happy. Man? Happy that we can finally do this on a Tuesday again, Chris. It it feels right. It feels right to have to, to be unlocked on Steelers on a Tuesday. It does feel it does feel right. I haven't said that in so long for a long time, listeners. You know, oh, it's what I'm months. About. It's, it's been months, it's, yeah. Literally months. We always get yeah. you on Wednesdays or not at all. But we're glad to have you here. I wanted to talk to you about the tight end position because you and I were discussing this is uh, about you know when thinking about tight end usage in the NFL. Yeah. And oftentimes when the tight ends that aren't even Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or whatever, when the when they're not there yet and they're on their way up. Oftentimes that the tight ends are most used are by inexperienced quarterbacks, less accurate quarterbacks, or quarterbacks yep. just finding their way into the NFL. And you pointed this out with an interesting t- statistic about Mark Andrews that boosted his stats at the end of the season when Lamar Jackson went out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was doing this with Ace, the AC North Talk guys. We we're ranking the tight ends. And I, I, you know, I knew that Mark Andrews had a big year last year. He was, I think he was the leading tight end in the league last year by, by yardage and by uh, receptions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it you know, when, when Huntley got in, you know, at the end of the season, that's when he got the majority of his targets. I'm um, bringing them up now. Uh, yeah. I mean, he only had double digit targets three times last year. Two of those games were with games with Huntley. And then the other games, Tyler Huntley was targeting him uh, 10 and 15 times. Uh, or excuse me, sorry, six times. It was, it was four of the last five games. And the last, uh, the second last game was six times. So yeah, Tyler Huntley uh, was, was targeting Mark Andrews, Basically, you know, a, a third of all of his attempts uh, went Mark Andrews win. I expect with, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, when we're looking at whether it's Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, Chris, I think Pat Fryman is in for a big year. This is where this is where we wanted to go with this. I and mean, we're not just talking here to talk about the Ravens. We're talking about the Steelers. But yeah. looking at Huntley's situation, like, hey, you had to adapt to the offense. You're just getting your first real time in the NFL. Where's my security blanket? It's the tight end over the middle. Now, granted, the Ravens don't have receivers like the Steelers do. Right. You know, even, even though people aren't wild about Deontay Johnson or maybe they're, they're down on Chase Claypool, the Ravens will take either of those two guys in a heartbeat over their situation that they have right now, let alone George Pickens. Um, but, I, again, I look at I look at this offense right now, and whether Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett win this job, I still I do see the tight end position being very important as a passing target over the middle part of the field. It's a, it's the security blanket. It's the bigger target. It's and if 
you get if you have athletic tight ends like Pat Frymuth and Zach Gentry, guys that can kind of run up the seams a little bit, you're going to feel more comfortable throwing to them because they're going to be able to get space against the bigger guys, the linebackers out there. I do think you're onto something there, and maybe we're looking at these guys being much more involved in, in this offense than we've ever seen tight ends be involved in the Steelers offense, and that's crazy to think because you and I grew up watching Heath Miller. Yeah. And, and yeah, right. And, you know, and, and uh, Heath Miller was a, a great tight end, but I don't think he did. He ever even eclipse a thousand yards in the Steeler offense. Oh, I don't, I don't, there's no way. There's no, no way. way he right. Ever did. Yeah. In fact, I'll uh, he, that stat right now. And, and he was, and he was fantastic. I, look, I'm not saying that Pat Fryman is going to get to a thousand this year, because like you said, the Steelers are kind of, you know, they're, they're, they have a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. We talked about Deontay last time I was on, um, you know, and, and look, as much as I, I, I'm not a huge fan of Chase Claypool, like Chase Claypool puts up good numbers. I think he had 800 yards. Last year, I would expect him to be around there. But I do think, man, you you look at what, what Pat Frymouth was able to do last year post-Eric Ebron's injury uh, and to come in as a rookie and, and kind of work right into that offense, become a become a target that Ben trusted and and and, uh, and went to in big spots last year. That that touchdown catch he had against Cleveland, um, you know, the, his ability yep. to make those kind of combat catches. I think that's the kind of thing, you know, we, when we talk about Trubisky and Pickett, like you said, it's going to be a security blanket for these guys. If you know if they're going to run more uh, play action and whatnot, you're going to get little leaks of 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 whether it's and whether it's Fryermuth or Gentry. I mean, I, I think we should also mention Zach Gentry here because he's a player that came on at the end of last year, again post Eric Ebron's injury, who had to play more snaps. And I thought as the year went on, Gentry got better and better. And I do think that tight end usage in this offense is going to be a big part of the passing game here. Um, you know, it, you know, given the emergence of Pat Fryermuth and then. Even in Zach Gentry as a tight end, too. I, I agree here. And to bring up the point, I did look up Heath Miller. The most yards he ever got in a season was 816. Mm. Pat Farmworth had 400 and, excuse me. Uh, also, we apologize for all the banging noise you might hear in the background of our microphones. It's still the 4th of the July as we're it recording. So <laughs> people are just letting them off. Um, I, I, God bless anyone's dog who has to deal with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but 497 yards for Pat Farmworth. In that you know, in, in his rookie season, um, Heath Miller right. was at was at 459 his rookie year. But point being, I, I think Pat Farm with one thing that he didn't that he talked about how he wanted to do better was finish plays one start plays better and finish plays better talking about starting plays with his routes get into his breaks and get into his routes quicker and make it harder to jam him at the line of scrimmage. I do agree with you. Both of these guys are in play here. Absolutely, Zach Gentry is is part is part of this, and we'll talk more about him in the second segment. But I do think Pat Fryermuth is is you know maybe not like the primary receiver of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he may encompass the second most targets on this team by the end Ooh. of the season. I was gonna say, I you know, I look it's a seventeen game season, so all these records you know are, are they're all meant to be broken now because it's seventeen games. But I, do, I right. look, I think there's a chance that Pat Fryermuth this year breaks that. You know that Heath Miller, what was it, eight eight fifteen or whatever you said it was. Yeah. Um, I think there's a chance that that Frymouth could go for you know eight fifty, eight seventy five this year in this offense. Again, I don't look. I'm not saying he's going to be up there with Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews or the you know no. the top top tight ends in the league. Even though talent wise, I think a couple years from now potentially he could get there. Um, but I do think I do think he's going to be a much bigger part of the offense than he was last year from a from a usage perspective. Last year he was what fourth in the team in targets, like you said. He could potentially mm -hmm. be up to number two this year. I certainly think, you know, I don't, I don't know that Najee's going to get another hundred targets in, uh, in, in 2022, but um, maybe. Um, so I, yeah, I, I would expect Fireman to be up there and, and, you know, in, in so doing he's the, the yards are going to rack up for him. 
I, I agree. And I think that's where that's what's going to come from is the amount of targets, the trust that these quarterbacks ha have in Pat Fryermuth. And I also think a big part of this is going to be, too, again, if this Steelers team is going to be based more off the run, and that's why they drafted Najee Harris, what comes with the run is play action. Yep. And what often is involved with play action is the tight end going over the middle as the linebackers get sucked up into the line of scrimmage and they creep right behind him. I really think that he's going to be a factor here, but he also needs to be a better factor in the blocking. And that's something that Mike Tomlin, we saw him address directly in minicamp. There were clips of him kind of getting getting on Pat Fry. I mean, not in like a, an aggressive way, just in like a, hey, I see, I see, you need to get better there. But mm -hmm. someone who's really improved there was Zach Gentry. We saw that last year. We'll talk about him more in the next segment here in the Lockdown Steelers podcast. But first, I got to talk to you guys about betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news involving the Major League Baseball full season right now that's full steam ahead. If you're if you're struggling with getting to football season, one easy way is to have more fun with baseball by putting some money down, but the best way to put money down, go to betonline.net, learn all the odds, the tricks, the ends to see how you can best make money. It's not just about who wins games, but when they get home runs. Does a player get a hit in a certain game? How many innings does a pitcher go? All those things are available when you go to Bet Online, your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting, e playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action when you visit Bet Online, where the game starts. Back here in the Lockdown Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Tony Serino on a Tony Tuesday. Now, Tony, we were talking about Zach Gentry a little bit. Yeah. And as people know, you can always call into the show at 412-223-6644 and ask a question. Leave a voicemail with your name, where you're from. Try to keep it under a minute. Um, it will get you on the show. We had a question all the way from Stone Mountain, Georgia, from our man Daryl, about Zach Gentry. Here's Daryl. Hi, Chris. This is Daryl Battle from Stone Mountain, Georgia. I'm calling in reference to uh, Zach Gentry. I was more or less a fan of him when Pittsburgh drafted him. I want to say it was like 2018, if I'm not mistaken, in fourth or fifth round. But my question is, the improvement that he's made since he's been on the team, especially last year when he was able to actually do a better job at blocking and catching the ball, do you actually see him being a lot more involved in the passing game this year uh, than he was last year. I know he improved a lot more last year, but um, I'm thinking that he should probably uh, get a few more looks in the passing game as well. Uh, that would make Pittsburgh a lot more dangerous and a lot more unpredictable, and they wouldn't be able to double cover certain players when they had to at, at certain times of the game. Uh, so that was my question. I was just wondering what you think about that. If Zach Gentry would actually be a lot more involved in the passing game uh, this coming season. Thanks for your time. Thank you. And thank you, Daryl, for your question. We always appreciate people who call in. You can also email LOSteelersTopicBag at gmail.com. If you can't uh, call that because you're international, uh, just send us an MP3 file with, you, again, your name, where you're from, and give us your question under a minute. But, Tony, uh, Daryl's question asks, will he be more involved in the passing game? Uh, Gentry was drafted in 2019. Uh, he had, he was on the Steelers for those first two seasons, really didn't play much, played, you know, started only one game in those first two years. But then last year, 
played in all 17 games uh, and uh, officially had 12 starts even because of the style the Steelers were doing their lineups. Yep. Um, he was targeted 25 times, caught 19 of those targets for 167 yards, never got a touchdown. But this is a guy who has a six foot eight side like length on him he's huge and that's a big part of why they wanted to get him in the in like i believe it was the fifth round in 2019 this is a guy who i think when you when you look at him compared to frymouth frymouth possesses all the receiving skills and all the natural things that make him a dangerous threat wherever he is on the field but gentry is a player who i think when i when we watched him early on in training camp i can say this part because this was you know this was back when they were in latrobe and things were open mm-hmm. but he was he was struggling with blocking he was more yeah. of a hey you throw up the jump ball i'll go up and get it because i am six foot eight i'll go up and get it now he has refined that blocking and i'm not saying he's the best blocking tight end in the nfl or anything like that but i am saying he is a solid number two tight end and a solid lead blocking tight end to run behind if firemuth can get comparable to his level it does present the Steelers a dynamic threat of saying, hey, here are two tall, athletic, lean off, uh, up tight ends who can get up the field. But also, if you play back because you're waiting for the pass, they will get up field, they will crush you, they will block well, and that opens the gates for Najee Harris. What do you see Zach Gentry's output being this year? Oh, I, I think, I th- yeah, like I said in, in the last segment, I, I think Gentry is kind of an underlooked aspect of this. I mean, you look back at, at what he did in, in 21, and you're absolutely right. Look, I, I think there was a – a couple of things happened with him. Number one, obviously, he was buried a little bit on the depth chart early on. Ebron was the starter. Frymouth was his rookie coming in. And yeah. so Zach Gentry was tight end three. Tight end three is not going to get a, a ton of looks early no. on in the year. And that, that kind of played itself out when you look at his early snap counts. Uh, you know, he was, I think, the majority of his snaps he was getting in, in special teams. Um, but Eric Ebron got hurt last year. And you can look at what happened kind of post-Eric Ebron injury. In fact, right right in the middle of it, that, that Cleveland game mm-hmm. that happened in, in Cleveland, Ebron didn't play. And that when Gentry did, um, you know, he had a he had a decent game in that one, right? He got targeted five times. Right, that mm-hmm. was kind of his his first real you know reps as tight end too, and and he was targeted and he had some catches in that one. And that kind of you know, as you said, his blocking got better as the year went on. And I think right. by the end of the year, the coaching staff really did start trusting. You look at his snap counts at the end of the year; he was averaging about 40, uh, 40 reps a game mm-hmm. at the end of the year, and he was getting targets. I mean, he had he had four targets in that Kansas City game. Um, you know, five in the in that last game against Baltimore, the last regular season game. So I, I think Gentry, I think Gentry as a tight end too is going to be used a lot. And, and like you said, it's because they can trust him now as being not a, as you said, not a great run blocker. But Mike Tomlin likes to use that phrase above the line, right? right. But they they need him to be an above the line run blocker. If he can be that, if they can trust him in those roles, and they can roll out this twelve or twelve personnel when they want to. And then and and trust him that he can be a, a lead blocker for Najee, or they can run some play action off of it, and he can be a deadly little threat down the field. I shouldn't say a little threat because he's six eight, so he's a big threat. He's, down the he's field. a big threat, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a big threat down the field, and he's and good. He's he's a he's a nice complement to Fryermith. You know, he's got that big frame again. Something that I'm sure, whether it's Trubisky or Pickett, they're gonna love. Um, you know, so it, yeah, I, I think I think Gentry is an underlooked aspect of this offense. I, I do think he can be, and I think it just begs the question, are the tight ends sort of the secret weapon right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Because everyone's going to talk about Najee. Everyone's excited about George Pickens. There's talk about Deontay Johnson. Is he uh, one of the top receivers in the NFL? Chase Claypool, he wants to be a top three receiver in the NFL. All this talk about those guys. And it seems like we're forgetting about the tight ends and how good of a year Pat Frymouth is. Now, I know Steelers fans aren't, but I think nationally, there might be a case of that. And this might be the perfect way to sneak these guys in. And especially even Frymouth, if he's if he's your second, third, or fourth guy that you're looking at on this offense, Gentry's going to be way behind that. And 
this is that's going to be a great time for you know how many times do you see the one guy there's always five receiver you know potential receivers or eligible receivers that a quarterback has on a given play how many times have you seen that one player kind of leak out and be that person that the defense kind of forgets on a given play because they're so worried about the other guys that could very much be Gentry. And if he's able to be in the middle, I do think we'll see a lot more than just 25 targets this year. I think you could, I think I, I even safe to say maybe even close to doubling that double this year. Yeah. It is just, yep. you're going to see the volume there. You're going to see them want to get him more opportunities. I also wonder with his size, how much do they say, you know what, we're going to do some red zones, just some fades because yeah. how many guys are going to be able to stand up to a guy that tall. And if you just say, Hey, you know what? Go on with him. And by the way, if you put your best, like say a team does have a safety or a corner that's really physical and really good at that, go do that with Gentry. Oh, by the way, there's Pat Fryman with the other, on the other side of the right. you know, so that we can also throw a fade to. I think that there is there are major advantages available to the Steelers right now at the, with, with this by you by making sure to include Zach Gentry, but they got to do it in smart ways. I think you know the, the the red zone point is an interesting one, but it is one thing. It's one thing to be six eight. It's another thing to really be able to use that frame. Right. We've seen these guys who kind of come in, you know, they're, oh, they have these, these huge, they're really tall. They're, they're huge frames, but they don't really know how to use that frame to really box out defenders in those red zone situations. You're going to have to prove that he can do that. Certainly, I think uh, Frymouth proved last year he could be that kind of player. Um, but I'll uh, be I mean, going back overall. You know, you talked about like all these, the, the, the weapons they have at wide receiver. Obviously, we, we talked about not Harris before, and now this tight end is a secret weapon. It's, it, it is in some ways, you know the 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 the, the pit, let's call it the pity of this offense, which is that mm-hmm. boy they have so many skill. I mean the skill positions here. I mean this is a roster that at the skill position, if you were just evaluating from a skill position standpoint, you're really really excited about it. The open questions here are: Did they nail the quarterback pick right, either in free agency or in the draft? Because it, that obviously you need a quarterback to win in this league. And then and, and did they get this offensive line right? Because those are the two things that they're going to hold it back. I don't think we're going to look back a year from now when we're talking about the 2022 season. And say, boy, the tight end room was a real disappointment, or the wide receiver room was a real disappointment, or the running back, right? It, they got to have nailed offensive line and quarterback because, as we've talked about, this tight end room is really solid. It's a solid room. We I haven't even gotten so. to like the, the you know the the Kevin Rader or Connor Haywards of the world. See, I'm gonna as much as Kevin Rader, he's a local guy. Yeah, I appreciate him moving. Great run side. blocker. Great run blocker. Connor Hayward's making this team. I'm just telling you right now. There's Kevin Raider is, is going to fight hard and they love Kevin Raider for the effort that he brings. Yeah. But Connor Hayward's making this team. And it's not just about him being Cam's brother, but I'm telling you in mini camp, we talked to players. We talked to players about the one handed catches he was making, about the blocks that he was making, the relationship. I'm telling you him and Zach Gentry are close. There's a, there's a bit of a kinship with this, with, with this group already. I do think it's also funny. All three of them are from major school in the Big Ten. Uh, PS uh, Penn State with with Pat Farmer, with Michigan with Zach Gentry, and Michigan State with uh, Connor Hayward. But all three of them seem to really be be, be the tightest of the other group. And when I saw Connor Hayward, if he even if he make a mistake, make a mistake, you'd see Zach Gentry be the first one to be like, "Hey, you're going to be fine. We're going to do this." I, I do think that you know when you're talking about those two guys, Connor Hayward could still be a guy that gets overlooked. A lot of times in the Steelers offense, a lot of people are asking, is he going to be a fullback? Is he going to be an H back? He's going to be the third tight end and they're going to use him more like they did with David Johnson in the the late 2000s, the early 2010s as that third tight end who kind of you put in motion and went to go block in space. But he also has good hands. And, you know, I covered the Peach Bowl live where he made an amazing catch against Pitt in the end zone. This guy is acrobatic at times, and he's acrobatic for a thick dude. Yeah, I think they're they're gonna find ways to exploit you with him. That's I think that's something that Matt Canada especially is gonna be able to do. 
Uh, he's one of the players. Look, I've said that yeah, anyone who listens to AFC North Talk already knows. I, I, I am very skeptical of Connor Hayward because skeptical, and it, skeptical because look, and it's, it's the whole, like, you know, they're going to draft the brother of a, of a star on the team. I and mean, we've seen this a couple of times now. None of those guys have been, you know, all-stars by any stretch. So obviously when they drafted Connor, it was the free, it was the free spot on the bingo card when, when they drafted him. But we have, I look, I did hear a lot of good things coming out of minicamp about him. I've had a lot of people write me and say, you know, you're, you're very off on Hayward. He's, he's honestly one of the players who I'm most intrigued when I get to, uh, when I get to Latrobe here uh, later this month, I'm excited to see Connor Hayward. I want to see him out there and see what he brings to the table because, you know, I did, I wrote him off after the draft. Okay, whatever. You know, they drafted Connor Hayward because he's, he's Cam's brother, but and that's probably unfair to him. And I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what he brings as a football player at tight end because, you know, you, you just said it. And I've heard it plenty of other times that that you know, he's not just Cam's brother, that he he brings a lot to the table um, if people are underlooking him. So, um, yeah, I look forward to, to watching him later later on this month. We will certainly get to see more of him in training camp. We've only seen him without pads. It's time to see him with pads yep. again. End of the month. Hey, they, they report the 26th. They start the 27th. We've got what three weeks now it's crazy to think we're that close to training camp baby Woo, football! we're almost there football, football! <laughs> that's why that's why you need to go to bed online for for to help you get through baseball season so you can get back to football season but in the meantime we're going to keep you focused on football here in the lockdown steelers podcast we write back we have an interesting question about the offensive line we want to answer but first i want to talk to you guys about rockauto.com save time and money when visiting rockauto.com you can choose just watch you spend 30 percent, 50 percent, even 100 percent more on the same parts from a chain store or car dealership for example when you go to the chain store the honda odyssey fuel pump can run you 353 dollars but at rockauto.com that's 216 dollars saving yourself so much money because rockauto is a family-owned business it's served do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years rockauto's prices are reliable for every customer and they have everything you could need from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil and even new carpet go explore the easy to use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs and when you visit rockauto.com be sure to, to to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and when you do that so be sure to put locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Back here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Tony Serino. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers here in the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Tony. There's a lot of talk about the offensive line, and this mm -hmm. is now their third offensive line coach since Mike Munchak left the team a few years ago with Sean Serrett, Adrian Clement, now Pat Meyer coming over from the Carolina Panthers. But there was an interesting question from one of our Steelers fans and listeners in Florida. We have Kyle, who has a question that kind of ties in Mike Munchak. Hey, Chris, this is Kyle. I'm down in uh, Florida. I'll definitely be going to that game in Miami this year. I cannot wait. Uh, my question for you is, how much do you think that Mike Munchak had with the offensive line? Uh, if I remember correctly, Mike Munchak was the offensive line coach when Ben had his last hurrah where he led the league in passing, uh, and it just kind of went downwards from there, even with somewhat the same unit. There's a couple guys missing, but the Castro, Pouncey, and Villanueva were there. So I just wanted to know what your thoughts on that were and, you know, how much of an impact Mike Munchak had on that offensive line. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. 
Thank you, Kyle, for your question here in the Lockdown Steelers podcast. We appreciate everyone who reaches out to us and asks us a question. So let's dive into this real quick. To, yeah. to before before we bring this back to Pat to Pat Meyer, I think it's important. The reason I wanted to address this question on the show was because I do think it's important to clear up the Mike Munchak era with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He took over in 2014, uh, a year that was what five years into Marquise Pouncey's four uh, three years, excuse me, into David DeCastro's. They were both about to hit their prime. In the in the in the NFL, there's also yeah. Marcus Gilbert. I think his third or fourth year in the, in the in the NFL as well. He had an anchor of guys, or a, a group of guys, two high first round draft picks. You know, well, mid first round pick was high for the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, and a really good second round pick in Gilbert, and some undrafted guys, mm-hmm. Ramon Foster and Alejandro Villanueva, and even before. Uh, Munchak really got there. You still saw guys like Kel- Kelvin Beecham kind of stepping up. I believe he left around 2013 and 2014. And then you saw, um, then you saw uh, Alejandro Villanueva take over in the mid 2010s there. Um, and, and, and that become that group. Yes. Mike Munchak deserves a ton of credit for what he did with the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. And especially how he got players like Chris Hubbard who could step in and fill in at any point and BJ Finney and guys, it seemed like they were t- like in the couple games a year when you were missing such, such and such player, this guy filled in and then some other team would hire him away for like some major contract yeah. happened a lot. He got people Mike paid. <laughs> he got people paid. There's no doubt about that. But Tony, I do think a big part of this is, is that, Yes, there. When he left, those guys were still there. But Marquise Pouncey wasn't the same Marquise Pouncey at that age when 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 Mike Munchak left. Neither was David DeCastro, and right. Villanueva also. He had his short-lived, like really good moments, and then he was kind of just decent for a while. But you can afford to be a decent offensive lineman around great offensive linemen because those guys were great. But I do think a lot of Mike Munchak and what his success had in Pittsburgh that he had a great roster of dudes to work with. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. I mean, look, it, like you said, he had he had two staples of the line to work around, and, the, and those were uh, DeCastro and, and Pouncey. Um, and and then he had to kind of fill, like you said, he had he had to fill holes um, here and there. Look, he did a great job doing. I'm like, you know, I don't want to downplay what Munchak did. I mean, yeah, he, I'm not downplaying. Great, he, he, did, he did a great job in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, they they had great lines year after year after year. And obviously, you know, look, it's the whole hindsight of 2020 thing. Right? They also had a great running back coming up at that time in, in Le'Veon, who you know, who was kind of perfect for that line as well because of the patience that he had and whatnot and all of that kind of, you know, was, was simpatico. Um, but that, you know, when we talk about Pat Meyer and like, you know, where they're going in the future, you know, they, they got to find, I mean, not only do they have to find their next Mike Munchak, right. I would say even mm-hmm. more importantly, they got to find the staples of this line, wherever that is. It doesn't have to be like, it was a guard in the center last time, right. It doesn't have to be a guard in the center again, they just, but they need to find a couple of players here that they can really build around going forward. Right? This is a young off. We talked about this before. This is an offensive line that I believe the oldest player that's going to start this year on the offensive line is 26 years old, 26. And yeah. They're going to have the, probably the youngest offensive line in the league. So they just need to find one or two of these guys that they really feel solid about that they can start to build around. Um, because this line is not going to be, this not, this line went from, you know, two years ago was completely different. So they're not, they're, they haven't solved this line yet. They're, they're just now in that building process. No, I agree. And again, a big part of this goal, it's funny. I say this about teams when they're really bad. Like I say about the Pittsburgh Pirates, I tell Pirates fans, don't put a lot of stock into this year. The goal of this year is to find next year's great talents. And they're doing that right now with the O'Neill Cruises, uh, you know, the Sawinskis yeah. and, and all the guys that are coming up. Go check out Locked On Pirates. Ethan does a great job with that and breaking those guys down. But 
not that the offensive line is going to stink this year, but we, like you said, we know this, these five, as we project them to be Dan Moore at left tackle, Kevin Dotson at left guard, battling with Kendrick Green, Mason Cole at center, James Daniels at right guard, and Chakuma Cole for at right tackle. These five aren't going to be together for five years the way that Villanueva, Foster, Pouncey, DeCastro, and, and, and Gilbert were. Because that was that was ridiculous. Like, like That was just a – it seemed so crazy to think yeah. that the five, the same five offensive linemen could be together for two, three, four years the way they were. But And play at the level the, they did for that long, and, too. And, and play at the at the level that they did because that's and, – and I imagine that's why they think they, they made sure to keep that group together. But, again, I look at this – at how this team needs to be constructed – the goal, I think, is to out of this group find two anchors, the way you yeah. did with Pouncey and DeCastro. Um, and maybe Daniels is that. And again, you said the oldest guy that, that's projected to be a starter right now is 26. That's Mason Cole. Dan Moore, what, 24 years old? Yep. Or 23 years old. Uh, James Daniels, even with four years of experience, 24 years old. Chakuma Core, even with 24 years of experience, 24 years old. Kevin Dotson, 25 years old. These guys are all young, about to be in their primes, and able. If they put it together, they're gonna they can they can find things that are strengths. And I've broken this down on SteelersDown.com. I've talked about how Kevin Dotson and Dan Moore Jr. could end up being a really good pair if they if their chemistry really does hit off because they talked about how that's better. James Daniels already been talked about as being the leader of this group, but you don't need every. You're not. It's not realistic to think that everyone's just going to turn up and have great years. But if two guys do it right. makes it so that the other guys who aren't on that level can just play to their level and it will they will look that much better and play that much better feeding off their teammates i think a good a good parallel here is is the cleveland browns right you look at the cleveland browns five mm. years ago their offensive line was trash they were trash, trash offensive line i mean obviously they had joe thomas so i mean joe thomas great great left tackle fine but the rest of that team was just garbage but they 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 did actually they flipped the switch. I mean, they went overnight. It was 2018 bad offensive line, 2019 best offensive line in the league, right? And they and they've had that for the last couple of years. Last year they had injury concerns. But the way I think one of the things that's kind of overlooked about that because people look at the 2019 season and say, well, okay, they they got the the guy from Tennessee, the, the tackle from Tennessee, and then they got um uh the they drafted the kid from uh from Bama, and that was you know that was how they got. But no, they actually had J.C. Treader and Joel Petonio, who they really liked. From yeah. years prior, right? That was mm-hmm. the kind of they were like, look, even though they lost Joe Thomas, they had they had Petonio, yeah. they had Treader, they liked both of those players, and then they just kind of okay. Now that we got the two solid pieces, let's add around that that and and of course, obviously, you know, from there they got Bill Callahan, and it has been you know one of the best offensive lines in the league. If, if the Steelers need to find their Joel Petonio and J.C. Treaders right now, because potentially you know we could be talking about a year from now finding those two guys, and then and then you can go out in free agency and spend some big money because you know you got you got a core to build around. And this thing could go from what it was last year, which is one of the worst offensive lines in the league. This year, hopefully, they're they're just average. And then potentially next year, if they if they make some moves in free agency, you could see a very a very similar kind of progression of bad offensive line to great offensive line, and it only takes a year or two. I agree with that assessment. I think that that is that is the path that they want to be on. And sure, you you work equally across the line, giving everyone a chance to be those guys, to be those two stars that you, that you base it off of. But realistically, if you get one, awesome. Two, amazing. Mission right. accomplished. But you know you're not going to get five superstars just <laughs> out, out, out of this group right now. No. But again, if you get two guys and a, and like a role player or two out of this. 
you have accomplished your mission. And then next year, when you do have more free agent money, when you do have another first round draft pick, and maybe you're sitting there saying, okay, this is the year that you go back and invest in the offensive line. Then you're adding the young piece to a bunch of veterans who have kind of used been, been used to playing around each other a little bit. Right. That is, I think, the path that the Steelers need to be on this offensive line because it's not just about protecting Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett or whoever the quarterback is. It's about also opening up the holes for Najee Harris, getting back to being that aggressive style of Steelers play that get that get, kind of plays downhill, takes over games, and to play to the way that this, this team is going to need to play. Let's face it. This is going to be a defensive team again. This is going to yep. be a team that's going to need their defense to win games. And what's the best way to back up that defense? Hold on to the ball run the ball that was something that bill cowher did for many years that was that, that was really good was that he would rely on jerome bettis i think the steelers have that star willie back parker. in and as you and, and <laughs> willie parker yes um <laughs> but point being the steelers have their star back now yep. they just need two guys to step up and be be this good offensive line that lets the star back grind out the clock and maybe th- those two guys are still down the road somewhere but I do think it, the big the big mission right now that's not about Mike Munchak and, and it is about Pat Meyer right now. I don't think it's about Mike Munchak having the magic tuck that just makes guys become superstars. Right. But Pat Meyer's talked about and the players have talked to me about this and the, is that he has identified each player's strengths and weaknesses. He's working with them with, with that all the time. And he's not just giving blanket statements like, hey, you all need to be here. You all need to be there. He's like, you, you need to work on this so that you can be here. It's because we need this position to com- combine with this other position over here. That's where I see there being some really good opportunities for the Steelers offensive line. And, hey, again, you don't need to hit home runs with everybody. Just no. get it with a couple. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it was, uh, was it Mitchell Schwartz who, who had that thread on Twitter last year talking about offensive line playing? He's like, look, yeah. you know, you don't you don't need, like, it, like if you have one elite guy and, and five trash guys, like, that's a bad offensive line. People are just going to, they're just going to avoid the elite player, and they're just going to send their pass rush to the other, you know, to right. the other guys. Like, that, you know, that's pretty simple to do. He's like, you know, if you had five average guys, five average guys is actually way better than the offensive line that has, like, even two elite guys and three trash right. players. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think – you know, you know who found this out the the most last year was the Cincinnati Bengals because Jonah Williams is a decent left tackle. He was fine, mm-hmm. but the rest of that line was mm-hmm. very very bad. Uh, but even even in that case, right? Let's use their, them the same thing. They have Jonah Williams. They like Jonah Williams. They're going to build around that. They went out this uh, this off season. They spent a ton a ton of money to bring in three new offensive linemen that to, to potentially remake that offensive line. And if you talk to Bengals fans, they believe there's a chance they could have a top ten, top five offensive line going from what they were last year um so that's how quick it can happen you just have to find you have to find those young guys that you you think you can build around to me right now i think james daniels dan moore feel like those kind of players but let's see it play out on the field i agree it's about playing it on the field it's about putting the pads on which they told which which i talked to a lot and they said they were all eager to do because they want to prove themselves i think it's going to be an exciting training camp in just three weeks here in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, come out, come out to come out to see it. We hope to see a lot of Steelers fans there. I plan to be there myself, doing my work with SteelersDow.com, covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tony, thanks for joining us here in the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Always a pleasure to have you here. Uh, let people know I can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeler Country, and you can find me on a YouTube show called AFC North Talk. It is a roundtable show all about the AFC North. We are currently on break, so we're on break for the entire month of July. We'll be back in August. We're doing our player rankings or our position rankings, I should say, throughout the AFC North. So give that a look in August. Again, AFC North Talk on YouTube. Absolutely. Do check Tony and the guys out on AFC North Talk. They are a fun bunch. If you want to see a Steelers fan own a bunch of other Browns, Bengals, and Ravens fans, 
go watch Tony. He does a great job at that. Thanks again, Tony, for being on the show. Uh, thanks to everyone listening and watching to the show. Remember, if you want to support the podcast, one, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. But if you want to support us, go on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, add a positive comment with that five-star review, and you get a shout-out at the end of the show. Like this person, we have Timber, who says this is the, the, t- the go-to podcast for daily Steelers updates. This is a must-listen podcast. Steelers fans who want in, who want to be informed and and have interesting discussions. Just perfect for the U, for a UK-based Steelers fanatic while walking my dogs in the morning. They are barking mad Steelers fans too. Thank you so much, Timber, and your pups for being big Steelers fans and being fans of this show. We always appreciate everyone else. We got another five-star review that we're reading tomorrow on the show. Thanks again, Tony, for joining us. I'm Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Be back with you tomorrow talking more about your Pittsburgh Steelers.